0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply. Welcome back in on Inside the Clubhouse on 670, the score. He is Bruce Levine. Most of the time. All day. You have no choice but to remain Bruce At night,
1: line. it changes, though. <laughs> yeah, you've <laughs> never been around me at night. Have Thankfully, you? I have never found out. Okay, well, one of these days.
0: Oh, no, I'm good. Uh, Ryan Dempster joins us on the Alpamani Ford Hotline. Alpamani Ford in Melrose Park. Bruce?
1: As we bring in Ryan Dempster. That's who you said is with yep. us. Yeah, I did. Demp, how are you? <laughs> Welcome to Inside the Clubhouse. How are you doing today? Good,
2: good guys, man. Good to
1: talk to you. Happy Saturday. It's going well. Uh, Major League Baseball-wise, lots of things going on right now. First and foremost, you look at the Chicago Cubs and their market right now. Um, Do you have a handle on what you think uh, the Cubs are doing here, or does it depend mostly on some of their big guys and whether they're going to be able to sign them to long-term contracts?
2: Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I'm sure that that plays a part in all of it, right? You you're structuring a team and trying to figure out what your 2020 team looks like and who wants to do a long-term deal, what are the possibilities? Yeah, I know everybody talks about trades, but it's way easier to do that on paper than in real life because you're, you know, you're talking about getting real value for guys and then what teams sign what free agents and that that changes markets. So there's a lot, a lot of factors that go into it and it's not as cut and dry and at the end of the day if you Go back into 2020 with the same team. Obviously, there'll be some additions because there was some losses. But then that's where you need guys to step up and and play their best possible baseball. But um, I'm sure um, I know the guys up upstairs and in charge are uh, always trying to do what they can to put the best team on the field and put the Cubs in the best position to succeed not just in 2020 but going forward as well
0: you know one of the phrases that popped out to me from theo at the end of the year ryan was uh that we should expect quote myriad changes at multiple levels of the organization unquote and boy we're seeing that a bunch more minor league coaches announced yesterday um, the new development guy the, who's going to oversee the draft who comes via the A's and the Cardinals. What do you think of the multiple levels of change that we've seen here?
2: Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's it's always trying to stay ahead of the curve. Um, you know, I mean, Cubs went and hired a, a, a former Chicago Bandit softball player to help out. I mean, that's talk about being progressive and being forward-thinking and somebody who can help out in a great way. and. Um, the multiple editions at the mi- low level minor leagues to give as many options, as many different voices, as many eyes on on the players and development wise, um, so that you can continue to turn over good prospects and then and then see that through the draft. So I think arming yourself with as many um, tools is huge. Uh, I've seen it on teams that don't do that and they don't develop the minor league talent. They don't even get to the amateur part. Then you got the minor league part that you got develop these players that you draft and sign and then get them to be successful in the big league. So it's it's multi-tiered, so why not have as many of those positions um, at, the, at the minor levels on the way up? And, um, you know, just another um, show of, of how creative and forward-thinking Theo and, and his entire staff are in putting those pieces in place.
1: You've been there before. The sensitivity of knowing that a team wants to trade you or approaches you and says, um, here we are, we're at this – you know, level where if we can't sign you, we're going to need to trade you at some point. Um, how does a player respond to that? Uh, I mean, when you when guys like uh, Contreras and Bryant hear their name out there as possible trade bait uh, because of the fact that uh, the club doesn't know where they're at as far as keeping them long-term and long-term contracts not being signed at this point with a couple years of contract control left. How do you think that impacts them and other players on the team going forward?
2: Yeah, I think it, well, I think it's individual. It really is. I think to collectively put them all under one umbrella, is, it's hard because everybody has different emotions. Um, and I think as long as you continue to have that open-door honesty where you – you know, hey, we're trying to sign you. Okay, you don't want to sign. This is reality across any league, any team in the league, not just the Cubs, but hey, we want you here. Okay, it's not going to work out. Well, you also have to think about the future of the, of the organization. And and if that means that you can move a guy to get three good pieces, well, I mean, that's that's the smart move, right? I mean, theoretically, that's, that's what you want to do is do that. Um, but you continue to try and have that open dialogue. I know for me, when I got traded, um, the open honesty of, hey, this is really the position that we're in and this is the direction that we're going, yeah. made it easier for me because I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to go play somewhere else. I wanted to be a Chicago Cub, and I wanted to be a player when we won the World Series. But-
1: and you were sitting in the next room as they were trying to trade you. That was the uniqueness about uh, your situation. Uh, is it Atlanta? I, I, no? I
2: also had a little leverage, too, because I had a, a full no yes, trade Yes, you did. Club, so. But when you don't have leverage. You don't have the luxury of sitting there. That's a great
1: point. Uh, it was it was unique for us to hear about how that went down with you going. No, nah, I don't want to go there. Let's try another place. Hey,
2: he did him
0: a favor, man. I thought I wanted Randall Delgado, but you know, it's uh, Kyle Hendricks is a little bit better. I think.
1: I think. I think it worked out for everybody. Turned <laughs> out all right. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It turned out okay. i
1: had a, I'm a good. Happy. Yeah, you had a good half year there, and then you went on to Boston and won a world championship and speaking of that and so, so it's yeah.
2: about that bruce not only that i get traded to texas right and so he mm-hmm. and i have a great relationship through all that and, and that cohesiveness through that and i'm sure there was times where they were frustrated because they felt like maybe they had a package that they wanted but right. at the end of the day it, it happened that way and it was an open dialogue now when it comes to 2013 and i'm a free agent and ben Charrington's calling around and he's saying hey what about damp and he was like absolutely man stand up guy he's going to He's going to be honest with you. And then, therefore, I sign with the Boston Red Sox and go win a World Series. So it has its way of paying itself forward in a big
1: way. Speaking of that, uh, David Ross uh, was one of your teammates on that team. Um, are you uh, expecting David Ross to have a smooth sale knowing that He's been a part of this organization since 2015, and he understands where they want to go going forward. Or will there be somewhat of a bumpy road for a guy that's never managed before?
2: Well, yeah, and he's managing in Chicago, too. So I pick up the sports page and read it on a daily basis to see what the town talks about. Um, No, I I don't think it'll be all smooth sailing, but I think if there's anybody that's able to – um maintain himself and be true to himself during the tough times it's a guy like david ross i think he's proven that throughout his career um listen this guy's come up he's caught in the big leagues for so long uh he's had experience in the front office he's had experience on the other side behind the camera and in those uh, avenues where he really gets to see and hear all things baseball um and collectively around the league so I just think just the game stuff, managing the game. He's always been a, a person who's so great at developing relationships and 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 you know having open lines of communication with teammates and coaches and fans and and media. That that'll continue as a manager, and then it's just a, man, a matter of figuring out how to manage the games and, and and go through those times. But I think he's going to do a tremendous job. I really do.
0: John Lester tweeted a picture of himself and David Ross at the David Ortiz celebrity golf classic yesterday. Were you right there out of frame, Ryan? I, I can't see you.
2: I wasn't. I was a little, I was a little envious. I got to admit, I just, unfortunately my schedule didn't work that I could make it, but, uh, yeah, they look like they're having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it.
0: And then, you know, and and Lester has talked about, about Ross a little bit now. And, and he said, here's the quote from MLB radio. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to work our butts off and he's going to hold people accountable. I'm all in. And it's, it's a reminder of what Ross's relationship was like with Lester, which was always, driving
2: him really hard
0: to make sure that he was on point.
1: Damp, you were right there uh, to see it in Boston yourself, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, people always say, how is he going to hold his friends accountable? Is he going to be able to stand up to I think it's the other way. How is he going to figure out how to back down off that and be a little bit more lenient? Because as a player, just from experience as a player, if you have a coach who's on you all the time or getting on you or pushing you all the time, it, it, it kind of wears on you. It's like, come on, man. It's like the dad who yells all the time. You don't want that, right? Right. But as a teammate, you actually kind of respond to that. As a guy who's like, hey, let's go, man. You didn't run the ball out down there, or you're better than that, or make this pitch, or bear down. Sometimes you need that because you're in the battle. It's going on. So, you know, and David was very, very good about that, with John especially, but, you know, with all our pitchers on our staff um, continue to do that because he sees that the reality is is that – they are very good and they can do even better than they are capable of doing at times. And so um, John's right. He's, he's really, really good at that. Um, You know, and, and just making sure that he's pushing guys to be able to get the most out of them and that they don't relax for a second because sometimes one moment of relaxation in the big leagues and one moment of easing up can lead to one mistake. And that one mistake costs you a win. And now all of a sudden you're sitting at home in October instead of playing playoff games.
1: Ryan Ryan Terrio, a former teammate of yours, was on an ESPN affiliate in New Orleans yesterday, and we have some sound of him talking about when you guys were teammates, uh, the San Diego Padres in, in Terrio's mind was using, were using uh, signals off of a scoreboard, uh, cheating in an electronic way in real time. Let's listen to, to Terrio uh, talking to the ESPN affiliate in uh, New Orleans yesterday.
3: But there is a major difference between the player on second base or the first base coach or the third base coach having to see a sign and then creatively relay what pitch is coming to the batter and a guy with an earpiece hitter in his ear listening to a bullpen catcher out in center field who's getting the sign from a guy with binoculars okay or a light flashing which i was a part of by the way a light flashing on a scoreboard to tell the batter whether it's a fastball or a curveball i think using technology that's not available oh yeah using technology that's not available to everybody is absolutely cheating because both teams can lock in on a coach and see the signs right and and they each have the same advantage or disadvantage, however you want to look at it. But but when you are using technology to your advantage and everybody else can't use it, it is 100% cheating.
1: Ryan Terrell yesterday on uh, ESPN. In you New cheated Orleans. too with the scoreboard?
3: I didn't. It happened against us. Who? San Diego. Or so we thought. What happened? Light in the Who bottom of with? light At Chicago the with the Cubs, okay. Light in the bottom of the scoreboard would either go on for a breaking ball or off for a fastball, or so we thought, right? I mean, I, back then it was different as far as reporting and Twitter and people talking. you know. So it just didn't a story didn't get legs like it does today. Um, but but this has been happening for years, man, and
1: and it did. Uh- Stempa, uh, your, your thoughts, uh, you're probably parts of some of those teams where you, you know, Terrio's talking about and the idea that uh, home field advantage for technology off scoreboards is a, a a big no-no.
2: I'm just wondering if that's a game I gave up an eighth spot on the last day of the year. <laughs> wow. And that's... That
1: <laughs> might be. That's real. I mean, when, when we talk about these days, uh, pitchers tipping, well, the, the pitchers tipping goes an awful lot to do with – has a lot to do with possibly being able to get signs and being directed to that batter on that day from that home team.
2: Yeah, here. So this is is the reality. Tipping pitches has been going on since Ty Cobb was playing. You know, like it's been going on forever. People have always been doing this. They've been stealing signs. They've been relaying them to the hitter. Guys figuring out that they're leading off at second base. If they put one hand on their knee, it's a fastball in. If it's on their left knee, it's a fastball away. No hands, a breaking ball. All these things have been going on. Coaches finding signs. The catcher gets lazy. He leaves his front leg open. A first base coach sees that the catcher put down one sign. It's a breaking ball. And he says, hey, man, go. They have some sort of sign for going. It's always been going on. Discovering what the bench coach is doing for his signs to the catcher so you you can, you know, combat a pitch out or a throw over, and you can yell to your runner in a different way. So all these things have been going on.
1: As well as throwing but up and into to it again.
2: Exactly. And yep. that is the easiest way to combat it all. But we're not allowed to do that anymore because guys get their feelings hurt if the ball goes inside. <laughs> I mean, really, like, really, if you get hit in the ribs, what do you get? Some ice and you're all right. You know, most guys stay in the game. Anthony Rizzo gets hit 30 times a year. It's not a problem. So the reality is if you just feel like somebody's tipping pitches or they're, they're relaying signs, you call time, you call your catcher out, and you say, hey, call a slider down and away right here, and I'm going to throw one in, inside. And if he dives out over the plate, it's going to hit him, and he's going to come back in the dugout, and he's going to say to his teammates, I don't want the signs anymore, or you're lying because that's not what it was. Mm-hmm. Ends it. Secondly, if you don't believe in that, and, you, and that's not your style of play, totally get it. That's fair, too go with no signs. Me and Giovanni Soto used to look at each other. If we thought somebody was tipping signs, we'd call time and we would just look at each other. And when the hitter was looking at the third base coach or he had his foot down, he would tilt his head to one side of the plate. I'd say, yeah. And then he would just flick his glove like a fastball. I'd say, yeah. And we would do it that way. We'd have some sort of cohesiveness. So we didn't have to have 20 mound meetings. We could just do it that way. I mean, it's only once every five days I got to do that, right? I mean, if I could Maybe get a picture to focus for that long. That would be great. So, and my final thought on is, what did we think was going to happen when we started including all of this technology, when we started having all of this technology Mm -hmm. and the ability to see all these things, to sit here and be naive about it and go, really? That's happening? What did you think was going to happen? We allow iPads in the dugout. Right. We allow, you know, we allow all these things and like, oh, no Apple watches, but iPads is cool. No technology whatsoever should be necessary. If you can't remember what I told you 15 minutes before the game and the game starts, then too bad. That's on you. That's always been part of the game, remembering part of it. Now we have to have it access to it in the third inning, the fifth inning, the seventh inning. But we can't remember what we were told two hours ago. Why? Maybe if we just don't allow any technology in the dugouts and we stop all that, no, nothing down in the, in the, in the uh, tunnels, all that stuff and That wouldn't be an issue, but instead we got a humongous situation that's going to have gigantic ramifications.
0: Hey Ryan, twenty-four career innings at Qualcomm in San Diego for you, a six-point-nine-three ERA. Twenty-three career innings at Petco in San Diego, a six-point-two-six ERA. They had something Dempster. See,
1: or else, uh, no or else, Demp, you just stunk on those days, right? <laughs>
2: I thought it was the gas lamp district that was getting but it turned out it was <laughs> we knew it was something
1: I mean uh, you know in, re- re- in reality what do you think those stringent things have to be in order to stop people from using this real time technology that's been uh, impactful we know baseball stepped up last year and they have people auditing uh the the rooms and they're they're in there sitting with them and there's an eight second delay but what, what do you think the commissioner has to do
2: i think that there has to be suspensions um possible people if if there's people that were really high up and 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 knew about this that you know uh, you're talking about the integrity of the game and, right. and doing that if if we're talking about if we're talking about you know, equipment on, on the people where they're having band-aids with electronic monitors and things like that. Um, massive fines. I don't even know if the fines big enough. They want a world, if it's the Astros and they want a world series and you're the owner, cool, find me $10 million. I get a billion dollar company that won a world series. if right. you really going to care, you know? So I, I think that, you know, you're, you're in a situation where you got to make an impact. If that's you don't get a draft pick for five years, all kinds of stuff. Mm. Make it make it so harsh that nobody considered it again because just like things like steroids and things like that,
1: mm. somebody
2: thought, oh, I'll go around it again. Why? Because if I get suspended for 50 games, cool, I get a four-year contract for 60000000 million. There's got to be massive, massive don't-ever-do-it-again kind of ramifications.
0: Demp, thank you. Go take care of that little girl. We appreciate your time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. All right, guys. Have a great
1: weekend. All right, right? thanks again. Appreciate it. Ryan Dempster joining us on Inside the Clubhouse with some strong statements. And uh, pretty much uh, Ozzie Guillen, our earlier guest, said the same things. It's got to be as strong as what Commissioner Landis did in 1920 when he suspended the eight men out and uh, that there has to be not just a temporary, you know, you know, well, if if we do this, we can go back to cheating again. But mm. no, some high-ranking officials are going to lose their jobs, and that uh, the organization is going to lose draft picks. I think all of that has to come into play uh, from what occurred there. But Major League Baseball, again, Matt, has already taken major steps toward controlling this, and I think you're going to see as Demp said and Ozzy said. No more electronics in the dugouts during the game.
0: Mm, makes all the sense in the world. It
1: does. Got to get back to trusting the game.
0: They're interviewing lots of players and offering the players leniency. They're, they're telling them if the players tell, tell the truth. yeah, uh, yeah. They, 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 want, they want squealers. And, uh, but they're going to go after, as you mentioned, could be suspensions or right. flat-out uh, removals for front office guys and managers. I think be- Carlos Beltran is in a lot of trouble here in my opinion, if, it, depending on how far they go, because it seems huh. to be Beltran who hatched the entire Well, I mean, planet. you
1: know, Alex Cora was a part of it, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. So Beltran, Cora, and Hinch all could be in trouble. <laughs> this hour of the score is brought to you by Cars for Kids. Call 1-877-CARS-FOR-KIDS. We'll take a break, come back, a little bit more to go before we get out of here for DePaul Basketball 1045. He's Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. There's a little more Ryan Terrio um, that uh, that we could get to about this stuff. And we've got time to take your phone calls real quick if you want to hop in at 312 Welcome back in on Inside the Clubhouse. Bottom of the hour is brought to you by Northwestern Football. Join Northwestern Football at Ryan Field when the Wildcats host Minnesota this Saturday. In this season's final game at Ryan Field, single game tickets to see Chicago's Big Ten team are on sale now at nusports.com. And this segment is brought to you by Fast Park and Relax, indoor airport parking serving Midway Airport. Traveling from Chicago's Midway Airport, park with Fast Park and relax and enjoy indoor parking just two minutes away for only $11 per day. Fast Park's van will take you to your terminal on time every time. Visit them at thefastpark.com for reservations online. No walking, no waiting, never alone.
1: I think you're cheating uh, on this show. I think you're using too much video and uh, too much other uh, technology to uh, to enhance what we're doing here on a daily basis. Bruce,
0: uh, if I ain't cheating, I ain't trying. You know, wow. that's what Yasmani Grandal told me, and I believe it.
1: That's you know, again, <laughs> it, it it is interesting when you talk about teams doing everything they can to win a ball game, uh, using as much much technology and as much um, information they can to win that ball game and to to enhance themselves. Yeah. An already great team, if it's a if it's a crappy team like uh-huh. you know, like Detroit or something, and they're using the technology. People would just like blink, wouldn't they?
0: You know, and certainly the Astros' success is a big part of this.
1: Yeah, I mean, but- if if we heard it was Detroit who lost a hundred in what twelve or fifteen games last year, yeah. and they're uh, using their scoreboard, people would just say, you know, pass me the marmalade, pal. You know, I mean, it's you know, it's. You know, that's, a, that's
0: a new one on me. Pass yeah, me the
1: marmalade. You know, in other words, you know, you're just sitting at breakfast and you're you're hearing this <laughs> stuff, and it's like, it's it's it would nonplus you. You know, I yeah. mean, the the idea that someone's cheating and they've lost 115 well, games.
0: I understand. Well, how about this? The, it, it, some of the stuff that they're talking about now: the buzzing bandages, uh, earpiece, possibly. Okay, those are those are bad. How about but using an algorithm to predict pitches? What's mm-hmm. wrong with that? No, Frankly. nothing.
1: But as as Demp said in in the last segment, if you can't remember from 15 minutes ago when the game started, you know of all the information we already have. You know you you already have a tremendous right. amount of technology and and video of watching that picture uh, from beforehand and all the all the all the uh, updated stuff that. You know, a tech handed to you before the game with a, a printout sheet of okay. uh, tendencies. Well,
0: but fielders have these little charts in their back pockets that they take out now and probably, look about where they're supposed to go. Probably shouldn't
1: have it on the well, field.
0: That, there we go. So that's you know? the thing. Are we going to outlaw all of that? Because using an algorithm and saying, all right, we just think he's going to throw this pitch. Yeah. That's I mean, scouting. It, that's just scouting. Sure it
1: is. And, and this is just extension of what technology allows you. But it's, it's obviously crossing the line.
0: Absolutely. This is Don in Burr Ridge on 670 The
1: Score. Hello, Don. How are you?
2: Hey, I look forward to this show every week,
1: so do we thanks thanks for joining us
2: yeah, hey uh, does you darvish have a complaint on the cheating uh part because he had an awful World Series when he was playing against Houston, and if they were cheating on him did is that going to take any or did that take any effect on his salary and his contract?
1: It's he
0: did all mess. right. He he did all right he, he with the contract. Right. I, but
1: You're I, right. I mean, if he was a World Series winner and won two games in the World Series, would the Cubs have to pay $25 million a year instead of $22 million?
0: Well, how about the human effect? Because it messed with him psychologically. And he is a sensitive dude, and that entire next year was lost. And not only because of that, of course, it was being here and all that. But he's talked a lot about how that messed sure. with him.
1: You know, I mean, you're right, Matt. Uh, you know impacting people's careers, seasons, um, you know, the future of how they're looked at. Um, I mean, these are all things that you can throw in there and say, yeah, it's happened, but it's probably happened for the last 20 years as well. But
0: if we now have proof, this is why it has to be severe. Because say it was a huge damage to Darvish's year. That damaged the Cubs' chances a lot that year. Then they had to go spend on Cole Hamels, which damaged the payroll
1: the next year. Take it a step further, Matt. How does it impact Houston players as they become free agents, uh-huh. want to go somewhere else, and maybe not having this technology to help them? Do, do general managers say, well, you're not going to have the help here that you had before with Houston. We're not going to, uh, we're not going to pay you, uh, what we, what you, uh, you know, for what you did before because hmm. we don't think it's all real. Now you're making me think
0: about what Marwin Gonzalez did in Minnesota after what he did in Houston, things right. like that. And Robinson Chirinos on this free agent. You know, market. And,
1: and some of the, some of their guys are coming up for free agency as well. Um, you know, do do you look at uh, George Springer differently if he becomes a free agent in a year or so? Wow.
0: Um, well, before I ask you to pass me the marmalade, uh, please update us on Whit Merrifield if you can, in terms of the rumor well, mill. Uh,
1: J.P. Morosi wrote that the Cubs' interest is still there for Whit Merrifield. That's true. Uh, it's been there for a year and a half. Cubs have been trying to talk to the Royals about different scenarios that make sense for them to be able to acquire him. Uh, At this point in time with new ownership, he's not available right now. Does that change at the winter meetings? Does that change more importantly with a four-year, very uh, favorable contract that's only, I think, less than $20 million? Does that change more importantly at the trading deadline? Uh, next year, when we know the Royals are not going to be a part of the mix in competing this year, does ownership say to um, uh, Dayton Moore, the general manager, yeah, it's it's time. He's not necessarily the face of the Royals organization moving forward from here. You can trade him to the Cubs or to somebody else. Hmm. Does that help the Cubs in July, or do they need an answer for the top of their order starting uh, in spring training. Well, I, we, we
0: talked about Zach Wheeler as a, uh, a very hot rumor out there for the White Sox. A lot of teams chasing, but maybe that's the Sox' top target right now, and understandably so. In terms of the Cubs, um, Shogo Akiyama, the center fielder from Japan. We talked about it
1: last week. Um, certainly a guy that can be probably had for three years and about $15 million. Mm-hmm. He uh, is an on-base percentage guy in Japan, left-handed bat, Good defensive metrics, uh, this type of player that can help you if you can project him at age 31 into the major leagues. You know, it's always when, when it comes to position players from Japan, that's been a difficult transition. Uh, pitchers have been more successful from Japan than position players. So is he uh, going to be more like an, uh, you know a player that has had success or – is he more like Fukudomi, where he had three months of success and the rest was very average stuff that they regretted?
0: What else are you hearing in terms of the rumor mill for the Chicago Cubs, if anything?
1: Well, just that they're trying to sign you know, Baez to a long-term deal. They want to get uh, in with their other players to find out where they're, they're at. And that if, if they don't get long-term deals for Contreras and they don't get long-term t- deals for Bryant, mm-hmm. that they're going to be available out there.
0: You know, it's interesting. The Red Sox are struggling mightily with the Mookie Betts um, trade talks, supposedly. And it makes you think about where the Cubs might be. If they wait and they have only one year left with Bryant and they want to do something, sometimes it doesn't work out for you at that point.
1: Right. And and Bryant's a great player. You know, think twice before you make a move like that. But, you know, if you can get three or four top players from somewhere else Mm -hmm. and some of them are going to fit in right away, you're going to be in the listening business. Matt, people... uh, can join me on Twitter at the MLB Bruce Levine. I write for the website at six seventy all the time on White Sox and Cubs. And we have to thank Ryan Dempster, Ozzie Guillen, certainly Zach Withers for a job well done. I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. I know you're going to take one week off and. We'll see you on the 6th, 7th of December.
0: 7th of December, indeed. All right, but have a, have a great week next week. Yeah. and Happy uh,
1: holidays to you and your family.
0: Thanks, too. and back at you. And uh, to all the listeners, enjoy your broadcast day. DePaul basketball is next. Zach Zaidman on the call. Keep it right here on The Score.